Welcome, everyone, to the Canadian Perspective, your source for leftist political news. I'm your host, Cole, and... I am Derek Westra. Also one of I'm our also hosts. a host. He is Believe also a or, host. Believe it or not. <laughs> That's right. I think this is a great podcast, personally. I also think that we're sometimes idiots and come up with bad takes, but... We're super biased, though. Well, everybody's biased. No, we're biased in favor of our own podcast, is what I'm saying. No. No? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> but being honest... All right. Well, I've got some stories lined up for you guys today. What do we got? Uh, well, Derek, why don't you tell us what we got? Well, we got... Do you have the article pulled up? Do you have the document pulled up? I, I do. On one of my windows. I have like Derek, 150 windows. Why do you have so many tabs open? Because I like tabs. They're like little pets. Um, so we got Minneapolis agrees to a $27 million settlement with the George Floyd family. That's right. And then after that, right. we're going to talk about uh, in Bolivia. The members of the coup d'etat, coup d'etat, yeah, that happened uh, in 2019. They're being arrested right now, which is uh, great. That's actually a great story. Of course, that will bring uh, the warm and fuzzies to all the socialists out there, or the leftists in general, or leftists, leftists in, in general. general. No, and then also we're gonna be talking about Canada. Apparently, many officers interfered in sexual assault investigations. Yeah, we're and going to talk about the how the justice system works within the military. Yeah. yeah we're gonna be talking talk about, about how it's kind of fucked up and we also um candace struck down an anti-discrimination or disinformation law right uh the supreme court of canada by the way yeah struck down it so now apparently people can lie like no they've already been allowed to it's just that yeah they, they were gonna have some laws put in place during elections that make it illegal to share false information yeah Right. information that you can't prove so i think the reason why the the bill was rejected was due to it interfering with the whole of freedom of speech bullshit yeah yeah granted it's also we have some laws that say that jokes certain jokes are illegal where you make fun of certain people like uh people with uh marginalized communities no disabilities and stuff yeah like that's so we're not exactly the best for like freedom of speech to begin with so it's kind of no. strange why the supreme court would come in and say oh this is too far but I feel um, like this is like totally fine. <laughs> well, we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later. Um, I mean, we might have to look more into the details. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. But let's start with uh, George Floyd here. Yeah, let's start, let's start talking about George. The, the man that shaped uh, 2020. You know, it's... Other than I coronavirus. it's a little disingenuous to say that he himself... It was his murder. Well, he's a martyr. Right, yes. Right? Yeah. He's, he's a martyr. He's a martyr. He didn't choose to be a martyr. He was created into a martyr. Right, and that's kind of one of the main problems with the whole um, police brutality in the United States. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, we don't really choose it. The, the only thing that they did that was uh, outrageous was they were black. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, basically. You know, that being said, though, it is absolutely horrible what happened to him. And, and you know, so what happened was City of Minneapolis reached a settlement of $27 million over the. Um, wrongful death of george floyd who was murdered on march 25th 2020 uh i can't believe that's almost a year ago yeah it's a year ago it's a fucking year ago bro like jesus time is flying like so, those pro i remember watching those protests on tv mm. and they're insane yeah, i remember that keeping up with it on twitter and just watching all the crazy police brutality compilations and yeah and as every new video comes out, all the crazy shit that's happening. I would watch happening. live. Okay, so I was hanging out with my band at that time because COVID still allowed you to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and we were, we were going to watch the uh, UFC fights, right? 
Mm-hmm. The MMA fights, which we we do quite a bit, um, and we ended up watching the news and watching the live coverage of the police doing military uh, crackdown crackdown on the protesters because it was it was more like captivating than a UFC fight. Well, it is a fight in well, yeah, it was it was like, in many ways it was a fight, it yeah. was, but it was just a lot more people involved in that. But fight. But it, it just felt like you were more invested in that than the. You're more invested in the news that was happening uh, at that time than a UFC fight, which usually people get pretty invested into UFC. Right, which is uh, a little flip. Which was uh, which was a bit weird. Like down, we right? we yeah. literally went out and we purchased the ability to watch uh, watch the UFC fight mm-hmm. the title, but we chose not to to watch the uh, police brutality stuff and get uh informed informed get informed yeah because there was a lot of uh, crazy videos there was a lot of it was insane i had a in, i had a physical emotional like reaction to it i mean same here yes like i i, wa- I was watching it live and i'm just like i want to be on the front lines with them that would have been too like i was i was very like 100 percent. like i would have been there of course i mean it was, it was me. crazy shit and then you know it started off with the whole black life matter thing yeah and the protest over his death, well, with the initial outburst of anger, which resulted in the burning down of that, uh, the first precinct or whatnot, yeah. where the Derek Chauvin was from and those other three officers. And that was a tremendous uh, success in that case of mm. getting that done. And then in, I will also talk about what the city of Minneapolis has done to That's address good. what yeah. happened um, to George Floyd and fixing their police and whatnot. And it didn't exactly live up to the expectations, but basically, yeah, protests. It was a, it was a spontaneous protest that happened. Yeah, uh, all throughout the United States in every major city, and it, it was ri- crazy. You know, the CNN building in New York, specifically yeah. New York cops, were also ext- uh, well. The New York cops but- are just trash all around. They always have been too. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just extremely corrupt. Even like cops from the '80s talk about how shit cops. Were. Oh, and the '70s, Serpico. and '70s and right. stuff like that. They would bring cocaine in. Right. Yeah. The cops themselves would. So, like, shit like that's insane. Cops have never been good in this uh, country. In the United States, yeah. Well, yeah, the United also, States, also Canada, mm-hmm. also across the world. They're all trash. So, as we all know, the Minneapolis police officer, Derek Chauvin, he is currently on trial facing second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and manslaughter charges for his role in George Floyd's death, a.k.a. murdering him. Through strangulation. <laughs> Personally murdering Through him. strangulation. What about the other three cops? So there's other three uh, police officers, uh, Tu Tao, Thomas Lane, and J. Alexander Quang, also face charges in connection with, with his death. Good. Good. Which is good, and I hopefully um, they reach a, a conviction, an actual conviction for once. What happened was $27 million settlement is the largest pretrial settlement in a civil rights wrongful death case in U.S. history. Okay. And so five hundred grand of that $27 million settlement uh, is going to improve the business district in which, in Minneapolis, where Floyd died. So that's $500,000 doesn't seem like that much. No, it's not that much. Uh, that's nothing. But $27 million it, is going to the families. Well, yeah, that's good. That's good. And this was, What does uh, a settlement, settlement mean? Like, what is a pretrial settlement? Usually when you have a settlement, you settle out of court, and then no one gets charged, right? Well, there's a difference between a criminal trial and a... So uh, what does this actually mean, though? 
it's is a pretrial settlement. This is from the wonderful archive of information known as the interwebs. <laughs> a, <laughs> Not which site, <laughs> just the entirety of the web. This is from www.legalmatch.com. That's the web zone. The pretrial <laughs> settlement. The pretrial settlement is when the parties in a lawsuit come together before trial to work out payment for injuries and losses. Rather than undergoing the entire tr entire trial process, the parties attempt to negotiate and come to terms on the payment rather than relying on a judge to issue damages damages award. So that is before the actual trial to work out payment for injuries and losses. So the death of George Floyd was the injury and loss, and yeah. then the payment for that was $27 million. Okay. And this is, the thing isn't even over. Trial isn't even done. Okay, so it doesn't actually affect the trial then? Yeah. Okay, so my, my thought was, because I'm not well-versed in law, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, but my thought was, when you sue someone, you settle out of court, the, uh, the person that... Well, you, you can settle in court, too. You can settle in court, but usually settle out of court. That's usually what sexual assaulters do, the rich ones right, at yeah. least, yeah. Uh, to shut up their uh, accusers. Right. And their accusers are, of course, going to take the millions of dollars, because if fixes their material means right this lawsuit is separate from the trial that derek chauvin is going to be undergoing right this is a federal lawsuit the floyd family filed u.s district court in july against the city of minneapolis so basically what happened was after he died the minneapolis police promised to have police reforms okay did they yes they did okay good they agreed to keep body worn cameras on at all times yep. which they should have already been doing they agreed to de-escalate non-threatening encounters with citizens by disengaging or walking away which they should have already been doing yeah and and some other measures that they the city council i remember hearing this in the news the city council said they pledged to disband the police and replace them with a new system for public safety yeah. i remember that happening um and i'd also like to point out that even though minnesota this is the, that's the name of the state i just want to be sure it's directly south of us yes Right. But you know, the M's, there's so many, there's 50 states. Come on. Come right, on. I understand. I'm not blaming you. You know? We're not in grade nine. It's not like I was saying health. like, oh, is grade, this uh, Remember grade nine health? I remember grade nine health. We had to learn the fucking states and, and capitals. Yeah, and all the provinces. Well, the provinces are easy. You learn that in fucking uh, grade school. But like, I know. Grade nine health. Grade nine technically is still grade school. Okay, yeah, but, but I elementary school. But like, <laughs> why, why do you have to learn all 50 states and the capitals in health class? I don't know, because they know they're going to fucking uh, invade us one day. Okay. They enough. already knew that. Yeah, that is detrimental to the Canadian health. That is true, actually, yeah. yes. So anyways. Holy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, apparently 75% of black respondents in, in a recent survey that took place in December. 75% of black respondents in Minneapolis said they do not believe uh, Minneapolis Police Department officers are held accountable for misconduct, and 80% who interacted with MPD officers during a mental health crisis found the police unhelpful. This is something that is found usually wow. throughout. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because as we, uh, I think we talked about this before, they always bring a gun. Like when you, you have a mental yeah. health crisis, they always bring the gun. And it's like, why do you need the gun? Someone's about to commit suicide, so they bring out a gun. <laughs> it's like, oh, what the fuck? It's counterintuitive right there. Yeah. You have a traffic stop. You're just like, hey, man, your, your license plate's dirty. Can you clean it? But you By got the way, a I have out. a gun. Yeah. I have a gun, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, clean your license plate. Also, I have a gun. Yeah. Hey, buddy, your, uh, your light's out, but like, you know. You know, I, you're black, and I, I, I don't quite trust you, so I'm just going to shoot you in the back. Yeah. 
But it was just a routine stop to do uh, because your uh, back uh, light is out. What was the name? They got Flano Castillo. What was the guy that was sitting Ooh. in the car and then he, they asked him to pull out his uh, his driver's license? Yeah. And he went down to pull out and then they shot him? Yeah, because when a cop shot they him. asked him to pull, give him uh, their license. He reached down into his pocket. He's like, whoa, I didn't know you were going to do that. <laughs> and yeah, whoa. <laughs> oh, I wasn't expecting that move. He was going to grab a gun. I thought your license was on the dashboard. <laughs> like, what the fuck was he expecting? But um, maybe that's a, that's a good idea is to put your license on the dashboard when you're driving. No, yeah, I'm going to slide off. So after George Floyd's death, right, I remember saying, hearing that the city council of Minneapolis is going to disband the police. And they all voted to pledge to do that. Then what happened? Uh, so instead of that happening, during the 2021 budget vote on December 9th, 2020, the council voted to cut just $8 million from the $179 million Minneapolis Police Department budget. Yeah. So that's only 4.5%. And also... In the face of a veto threat from the mayor, Jacob Frey, the council even voted against a measure that would have reduced the size of the city's authorized police force from 888 to 750 officers. So they made the pledge to like disband the police force. But then what that turned into was a 4.5% cut in their funding and mm. nothing else changing. Not mm. less officers on the ground. Not See, we're, we're, we did a story like last week or a couple weeks ago about... A state that did it. Denver? Yeah, I think it was Denver. Denver testing out social worker unit within the police force that uh, responds to calls. And the uh, uh, response to that was extremely positive. Mm -hmm. The results from it were extremely positive. And they were going to go out and actually um, bring that, like, bring it into a full uh, program mm -hmm. within the police force uh, out of a testing stage. They should do that across the country. Right, they should do that in Minneapolis. That's the idea of defunding the police, is funding the uh, social workers in response to when someone gets a call. You only really need police when there's a, vi uh, the, there's a threat of violence, right? You're not going to send right, yeah. a social worker to active shooting, right? Mm -hmm. Or a bank heist. You need the police for that. I'm trying to find the information online. That doesn't shows. fucking happen that often, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe domestic abuse, you can, uh, you can bring a police officer, but also a social worker, because the social worker is trained. At least they know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, they're trained in de-escalation. And yeah, in right? de-escalating the situation. Like, a police officer, I mean, they say they get de-escalation training. No, they don't. But they don't. They don't. Really, it's not their priority. They get other training Well, in the States, more. they have like six weeks of training. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And <laughs> They need a high school diploma. At least in Canada, you need, you actually go to school, but... I believe you need a degree. And then it was super successful, right? Yeah, it was yeah. super successful. Like, unbelievably successful. Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't make any arrests. They right. didn't need any backup ever. Yeah. They didn't need any help because they were trained in doing what they, uh, in doing the job. What they were supposed to do, right? <laughs> they were trained to do what the police were actually, uh, the, what the police say that they're trained to do. Yeah. The police just have guns. They take more pride in their target practice than they do in their uh, actual interactions with human beings. Yeah, not good. Half, not their, good. Fucking, half their fucking job is to uh, dismantle homeless shelters. Well, not shelters, but homeless camps. That's half their job. Dealing with the homeless and uh, wrangling them up and fucking them over. Yeah, because if they let them stick around, then the property value of the houses will go down, Derek. Derek, you can't allow that to happen. Property is worth That's more true. than people. As you know, yeah. that is the way capitalism that is, works. That is capitalism. So police, are the, out, police are the defense force of capitalists, right? Yes. basically. They protect the ruling class um, wealth. They protect the capital. Right. 
that's the only job of the police. If you get down to what the police actually do, they are there to defend the capital. Mm -hmm. So that's why I just want to point that out that, yeah, Minneapolis pledged to do the defund their police force. But in reality, they did uh, fuck all to do that. And so that's that story. Yeah, well, I think on March 29th is when the opening statements for uh, Derek Chauvin's tribal is going to take place. Okay. So that'll be national news. We'll cover that oh, for it sure. Oh, will be. Oh, it 100%. Will be. 100%. In a heavily We won't guarded... even need to cover that. Yeah, that'll be big news. Yeah. Big news. But uh, that's that story. Yeah, so uh, we're going to move on to a heartwarming the... I want to call it heartwarming, bro, because <laughs> I'm looking up outlets, media outlets are with their headlines are trying yeah. to spin it as something else. Yeah, but so what honestly, is, what actually happened is relatively good. Yes, took so, down a fascist. Well, yes. So basically, the people in charge of the coup d'état that occurred in Bolivia in 2019, November 2019, yeah, are being arrested. arrested by the police. The police are rounding up former ministers who backed the conservative. Basically, the conservative sort of proto-fascist caretaker yeah. government, which took over after Evo Morales, the leader of the movement for socialism, I think. Yeah, he was a socialist. Um, That's the name of the party, though. The MAS, Movement for yeah, Socialism. Yeah. So um, he fled the country because he lost... Um, well, what happened was that he ran out of term limits, right? And then he kind of, like, hummed and hawed about uh, running for, like, a term. It's kind of like the states. Like if um, Obama, like 50% of the population wanted Obama to run for a third term and Obama was just like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Yeah. That's kind of what it was like. Yeah. So basically what happened, Morales left Bolivia. He had lost the support of the armed forces and violent ends. There were some protests against his re-election. I I, I should clarify, that's the reason why they did the coup. Right. That was their opening. That was their crack in the doorway for them to to have... As you would say, to give them a, an excuse. Yeah, basically. To, to commit it. So basically, the, the military said, you got to leave. Yeah. And even more guys a socialist. Stupid, and even, you know, even And the people uh, wanted him to uh, run again. So he did. And then there were some uh, contestants on whether or not the, uh, the election was fraudulent or not. Mostly coming from the States, actually. Uh, but, anyways, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Okay, but uh, one second, let me just one briefly second. talk about. Um, so yeah, the specific arrest that was the big headline was the former acting president, Janine Añez. She was arrested on Saturday. and Fucking right, she's a fascist. Yeah, she got what she got. and uh, She was hiding charges, in a motherfucking box, too. I didn't know about that, <laughs> but she's trying to do the Metal Gear Solid approach. Yeah. He's the box, they'll never expect it. So she is being charged with terrorism and sedition charges over what her predecessor and political rival, of course, Eva Morales, announces a coup that unseated him. Now, I want to point out that the title of the articles, they're trying to spin this as Bolivia ex-president Añez arrested in crackdown on opposition. No. That's what they're calling it. That's, no, what, that's, that's what major media is calling it, though. Yeah, they're no, saying that's, that that's, what, that's what's happening, but that's not what ha- actually happens. No, I know. They're, they're totally... Yeah. They're spinning, spinning it, it because it's socialists, right? They're yeah, socialists. Yeah. So the guy that is coming up is actually... He, he was thought of as like aristocrat type thing. But he actually voices um, support for his predecessors who were communists, revolutionists. In Bolivia, yeah. Yeah, in Bolivia, back in the day. Did you get the name of that organization? Yeah, the organization is called uh, Organization of American States. Organization of American States, right, yeah. And then they were saying that there was some 
iffy details about the election. And so the election results came in and it was just like, it was an overwhelming, in overwhelming support for Morales. Yeah. Right. And then uh, the Americans came in and was just like, hmm, we think something's fishy. And then a fascist did a coup and kicked them out, basically, is what happened. Yes. And the fascist, Joanne, whatever her name is. Well, Janine Añez was one of them. There's this, Janine? There's this, is that? Yeah, yes, Janine. Okay, Janine uh, Añez was the leader of that group, and she was a fascist, right? So now the same party that uh, Morales was in, and his right-hand man, Louis Arc who is the guy that is now the president. Mm. So when they fled the country, I believe they went to Mexico, they seeked asylum in Mexico. He then became the face of the uh, opposition, the socialist opposition to the fascist party mm. there, right? And then he came back and he ran in the election and he won with, uh, I think, 29%. Yeah, a lead of 25%, yes. He got 50-something percent of the vote, which, of course, in a multiple-party system, which I believe Bolivia is... That's pretty crazy. ...is insane, mm. right? Trudeau, the leader of our country in Canada, has like a 35% approval rating, right? Yeah, He gets like 35 36% of the vote. And he, that's basically a landslide victory in Canada. The, the big problem here was that the socialists, um, Morales and uh, this uh, ARC guy... Uh, they're they're talking about fighting for the indigenous population of Bolivia. Well, that's the thing is right? MAS, the movement for socialism, and also even Morales. Yeah, he is indigenous, yeah. and he speaks on behalf of the indigenous people of Bolivia. Yeah, and especially dealing with the lithium mines and whatnot, he nationalize those industries so therefore all the profits go back to the Bolivian people. Yeah, something that is contentious in history. You look at nationalization of industries that were being exploited by foreign capital, and usually. When those industries are nationalized, that is the breaking point where foreign influence, foreign actors like the United States and the United Kingdom send their secret police force, yeah. their secret agents in order to uh, instigate a coup d'etat within those countries because that their most important thing is, is allowing their capitalist industry to exploit the resources of poorer nations, which those nations aren't necessarily poor, it's just that the riches within those nations are not going to the people who live in them. They're no. being outsourced or taken away by the richer nations. Yes, and none of the it is Americans. Going, yeah, well, the Americans, the <laughs> United the Kingdom, first, the Europe. first world uh, people, yes. basically. Yeah. Even, this, even the social democratic uh, countries, because yeah. social democracy is still capitalist, they just outsource their worker oppression. Right, yes. To uh, other, uh, to third world countries, basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's why it was important to mention the Organization of American States mm -hmm. group and their involvement in this uh, coup d'etat in the election itself. Right. Because that just proves that, of course, America was meddling in their election, just like Russia meddled in uh, the American uh, election, right? Just kidding, that never happened. But That still. never happened, you're right. Anyways, so uh, Louis Ark basically won overwhelmingly, came in power, and the, um, the former president, uh, Janine uh, Anes, has then been in hiding. So then they, f they put out a warrant for arrest because she directly oppressed the people. She was a white person that came in and basically was fighting for the rights of the white people. The rights, uh, air quotes. <laughs> yes, yeah, they were, um, that's basically what was happening. She and was, her whole thing was to keep the indigenous population oppressed. And the indigenous population in Bolivia is actually, uh, I believe, two-thirds 
of the population is indigenous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, yeah, a large amount. Yeah, but so the, this, okay. but the rich class, of course, is white. So I was right uh, when I was saying before, Louis Camacho, yeah, fascist, Christian fascist paramilitary leader, yeah, and he's used the um, a variation of the uh, Odin's cross, you know, the cross with the circle around it, yeah, which is a symbol that's been adopted by white nationalists and and um, and far right wing people. He actually white nationalists is, is like this a to... fucking picture of him with a goddamn swastika <laughs> on his shirt. Holy shit! Okay, no, that's um. Bolivian youth. That's so uh, that's okay. associated with his okay. his group. But basically, yeah. So they're basically Nazis, right? And then when the same she, values when as Nazis, Anyez walked into the uh, parliamentary building. There's a time when she she brought in the, the Holy Bible and she, she just said that she was going to reinstate law into the country. That was there was a moment there when yeah. she did that too. So this was a far right wing coup d'état, and then but then elections happened. And which is surprising that they allowed elections to happen. Yes, it is actually. I'm sure there was probably some uh, manipulation in favor of the right wing uh, government at the time. Yeah, but everybody hates the fucking fascists, and right. rightfully so. Everybody and, was actually in favor of the socialists in this case. Right. And so they won the election, and that was a good day for um, leftists in the world. And now they're reaping what they sowed, the, yep. the coup d'etat leaders, as they get arrested. Uh, let's hope that they do get convicted of terrorism and sedition charges. So, uh, Janine uh, Anas, they thought that she was actually going to go to uh, Brazil. Oh, and flee? Flee, flee for to political pl- asylum yeah. in Brazil? She probably would have received it. Oh, yeah, 100% she would. She would. 100%. It. Yo, Brazil is fucking crazy. Um, yeah. We've been talking about this Bolivia situation for well, a while. Well, what happened to Brazil recently? I, I was reading an article just now. Basically, what happened was Lula did whatever the fuck his last name was. Lola. Lola. It's Lula. <laughs> so, what happened was the former opposition. He was the previous president of Brazil, um, Lula da Silva. He was a leftist, uh, a member, and he was um, a leader of the Workers' Party of Brazil. We actually covered this in one of our first podcasts, I believe. I think we did, yes. Yeah. Basically, he's, he was being charged for corruption, and he went to jail for it, but uh, it turns out the Supreme Court uh, overturned his... Yeah, they annulled the charges. They annulled the charges based on the court that they were being filed for. Yeah. That doesn't mean that he's completely out of the out of the hot zone. No. But that means that he could run again for election. Yes, and in the next election. They're trying to uh, bring him to trial under the Capitol Supreme Court, which yes. would be the final stage. And if they annul the charges, then it's over. But if yeah. they... Uh, convict him then so basically what happened was in march 2021 the supreme court justice edson fauchin ruled that all lula's convictions must be nullified because lula was tried by a court that did not have proper jurisdiction over his case fauchin's ruling which still has to be confirmed by other supreme court justices restored lula's political rights so we'll see that's a good that's a good news initially um in the short term that's good news because it means that he's able to that's still a good be, development that's yeah, a good development development when it comes to politics and according to the polls he is he's the best opponent to the current president of brazil bolsonaro Who is also Jair fascist <laughs> well yeah yeah he said things that literally are like i support the authoritarian regime that brazil used to have yeah this is fucked up like verbatim it's fucked up there's so many f- like i don't know i okay okay so here in Canada, we're mostly liberal, right? There's not that many socialists. I don't think that there's that many fascists, right? America, there's a lot more fascists. I also think a lot more people being radicalized to socialism. It seems as though in South America, either you're a fascist scumbag 
or you're a fucking socialist slash communist. I feel like there's no middle ground here. Because the uh, material uh, means of the people, right? Mm-hmm. So sparse that it drives them to the radical ends of the political spectrum. So the fascists believe that they should be this way because there are people that are better than other people, What'd you just right? say? I totally didn't fucking get what you just said. <laughs> What'd you just say? Okay. So here in Canada. Yes. Most people are liberal. They're in, the, in between. They're in between the vast. So most people are not far right fascists. Most people are not uh, communist, right? Yes. Yeah. It's mostly in between. There's no radicals. Liberal. There's no radicals here. In the States, I think that they're a little bit more radical either way. They're more polarized. They're more polarized. I think there's more fascists and more um, socialists slash communists. Now, in South America, it seems like there are no liberals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they actually, are yes. either socialists slash communists or they're fascists. Yes. Or like Nazbols. Like a Nazbol is a nationalist. A nationalist Bolshevik. Bolshevik, which means. means a communist who also has extremely conservative social views. Exactly. And so that one Peru party that was like the. They were like an indigenous group that was like super far left on economic policies, but when it came to social issues, they're extremely uh, conservative. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. That makes no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. I don't but know. Uh, you have to understand that. South America, especially the Southern Cone and all those areas, I mean, that was the, the test tube, the lab for neoliberal policies, especially during the 70s, yeah. where the United States supported these coup d'etats and whatever military, far right wing military junta took over power in a lot of these places, Uruguay I'm talking about in particular, and Paraguay, those places were military juntas. Basically, they supported, CIA supported these coup d'etats, and then they had people from the University of Chicago's uh, economics division send them as advisors economic advisors into those places chile for example mm-hmm. is one of the big ones and they gave them their economics agenda and they followed it to a t and the results were disastrous for the people of those nations they were f- but they were very good for foreign capital yeah very good for foreign capital but absolutely destroyed when it comes to poverty more 46 percent of people fell lower further below the poverty line than before. Obviously, unions were destroyed. The literacy rate dropped. You're looking at a food insecurity increased, all these mm-hmm. different things, because it was just a complete removal of all regulations when it came to these companies. Yeah. Um, and any sort of nationalization that happened was taken out of, you know, was removed. They're, and then they're they allowed, leeching um, all the capital from within the uh, country well, they itself. Did. And so right? after that nightmare, what happened was, what survived of the leftist movements, usually guerrilla movements that had to go underground in order to fight the war. Yeah, because against, they're, uh, they're committing politicide, right? Oh, yes. So they're also, um, the new dictatorships were disappearing people through CIA tactics that they were trained um, and torturing them in also CIA tactics. Um, disappearances and arrests and uh, torture and murder and whatnot of former leftists and political opponents and just, you know, suspected leftists you know all that all that uh, orwellian type of bullshit that was happening too so if you were a true leftist if you had your name on a ballot or if you had your name in a party your ass was going to be arrested so Mm -hmm. you better go out into the jungle and join your guerrilla forces and try and fight back yeah um so whatever survived of those movements as democratization and re-entered those areas in the late 80s they survived as leftist political parties in the democratic system and a lot of large swaths of the population, they remember what happened. 
Oh you yeah, what well, you don't you don't forget that. Right. That's why you end up with this uh polarization of the political spectrum. Yeah. And that explains why things are like that. The United States especially is becoming more and more pol- polarized over time. Yeah, that that directly explains my uh my point there. Right. That was like perfect actually. Thanks. And it is it's very it's very interesting also to see how uh foreign influence has like the American influence has actually gone in and changed things. And mm. the outcomes of that, right? And you, you, you see the results, and they're just so like apparent, right? They're so obvious. And the states at that time also were um, culturally, um, they didn't commit politicide, but they made it such a taboo to become a socialist. Uh, with the red time. scare, with, with the, the red, red scare, scare going right? on, and they made because it because of the Cold War. Yeah, and they were, had massive per- persecutions and trials where they were, uh, if you were suspected to be a communist or you might know anybody yeah. who was a communist. And the was socialist a big, uh, was a synonym for just being a sh- bad person, an immoral person. You were blacklisted. Yeah, yeah. you're basically a criminal just because of it. Which right, is, and it was pretty messed up. Yeah, that's fucked up. So Also, uh, the, the, uh, oh, America, also, America has a history of supporting uh, fascist regimes. Something I wanted to add about Brazil, though, um, in the recent interview that Kyle, I think it was a couple weeks ago, that Kyle with and who? Crystal did with uh, Glenn Greenwald. Glenn Greenwald, Glenn, okay, he yeah, lives yeah. in Brazil, right? Yeah, so and he's he talks about, involved. Yeah, he talks about how political violence is a very real thing in Brazil. Uh-huh. And when he got, you know, death threats and whatnot, which everybody does if you're a public figure, yeah. but these death threats are different. They're like pictures of his front door and then we know where your kids go to school they go to school at this blah 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 this school and then we know yeah he has kids okay he adopted them yeah okay and then uh (laughs) like these like i didn't know he had kids i just assumed he he didn't yeah well did you read the hit listen the interview no i didn't what the fuck because it was so good it's been not the greatest dude as a reason broke so yeah i know recently wasn't very good but fucking <laughs> he broke the whole nsa story with edward snowden no i know that that was i i give him massive credit for that that was extremely good he did for right the so, world in general i'm just but saying still yeah. like when shit he says you know they're the political threats they're real yeah <laughs> brazil a little unstable they're um, fucked up yeah, so just, um, but anyways, uh, this was a, this is good news that came out there. Yeah, that uh, was today. good news came out of South America. Also, it's important. Uh, well, it's not important, but I I strongly encourage you guys to listen to the Kyle and uh, Crystal or Crystal and Kyle podcast. Yeah, Crystal Kyle and Friends. It's called. First of all, Kyle Kalinsky in both of our uh, political journeys has oh. been a massive influence. Even though he's a bit of a um, social dem, right? yeah, he is a social democrat in um, the United States, and but his opinions and policies and his news show. Uh, we're very important. They're extremely informative, right? Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't bullshit, which right. is nice. He doesn't have any ads and any influences, which is extremely important. Crystal, on the other hand, is a little bit different with a rising, but she's still also um, an ally. Yeah, I would consider. Yeah, she. Is. And I, I don't have any um, malice towards them, right? Right. That some other uh, people on the left do. I don't really support infighting that much depends um, if it's if it's uh, if it's valid it's, if it's valid yeah, if but it's valid, like but most of it most of the time i don't think it is anyways so that uh, that podcast they talk about uh prom- they talk to prominent uh left-wing figures right they've had noam chomsky on there yeah. like i said they had glenn greenwald they've had um a bunch of other people on there they had, they had um, nina turner nina turner was on there and she was she was so good she was so good on i like you should watch that or the listen audience. to it if you have the time for it yeah. you have the time for it listen to it it's a fantastic uh, episode. Now it is uh, United nope. States based, of course, of course. So 
they do talk but, they don't talk about canadian issues really at all not canadian issues but just um socialist issues for the most part yeah right so that's good but like it's a good idea to listen to it if you uh are interested to right in it so anyways great podcast anyways moving on to (laughs) yes i agree i agree i listened to every episode all right what's next next up we're gonna be talking about uh the canadian military so (laughs) that's so funny derek Uh, nothing this is actually a really shitty story in contrast to the last not good so the, this is dealing with the Canadian military. So Cringe. commanding officers interfered in sexual assault investigations. Okay, let's, re- let's read them. Not in vegetables. <laughs> commanding officers interfered in sexual assault investigations, says retired military police officer. So, so what the fuck happened here? So bud? basically, this is all about the whole justice system within the military in Canada and how it's just unbelievably bonkers. So apparently an independent inquiry by former Supreme Court Justice um, Mary Deschamps, had found sexual assault and harassment. Okay, Derek's going to go get wasted while I talk about sexual assault. So, an independent inquiry by Mary Deschamps, the Supreme Court Justice, had found sexual assault and harassment in the ranks had been vastly unreported. This is in the Canadian military. Because victims feared the superiors wouldn't take their complaints seriously and that they would face repercussions. And they and don't take it seriously, and they do face repercussions. That's right. So in, um, what happened in 2015 was there was a massive expose, these sexual harassments, hundreds of uh, sexual harassment cases in the, in the military. And then uh, Chief of Defense Staff General Jonathan Vance launched a campaign called Operation Honor that promised to lead the Canadian Armed Forces into a better world where it was safe for victims of sexual misconduct to come forward. Now... In the four-year period from the start of Operation Honor in 2015, a recent study calculated the military had a 14% conviction rate for sexual assault, which is lower than the 42% conviction rate in the civilian judicial system across Canada. That's not good. And this no, is after the big fix, four years after. That's so fuck, That's okay. Not good. That's a third. That's one-third of the... Of the uh, national conviction rate. Conviction rate in the civilian, yeah. Like, that's awful. Because the original uh, conviction rate, like, the, in the civilian judicial system is trash already. It's also really bad, yeah. too. So, not good. And so the guy who launched this, this guy we're talking about, Jonathan Vance, turns out recently, allegations were brought against him by Global News that reported that he'd been accused of an inappropriate sexual relationship with a subordinate as well as allegations of making, sexual com- of making sexual comments to another more junior soldier, which is super not okay. So the dude well, who yeah. led the spearhead to fix the sexual assault problem in the military, turns out he has allegations about himself, which came out later, and it, maybe that makes sense why there wasn't much headway made in this he issue. Had, he had a sexual relationship with him? Yeah, that's, yeah, accused of an inappropriate sexual relationship with a subordinate. So, so what was the inappropriate part? Was it, was it that they just had consensual sex and it was a uh, no, boss and employee type actually, thing? I'm assuming that they were a lower, a lower rank than they were. No, a lawyer, if you're a lower rank than somebody else, you can't no, have a relationship because no, you I understand, understand that. I understand that. Um, I, actually, I know a couple that uh, the wife is the boss of the husband okay. in the Canadian military. So okay. yeah, 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 this General Vance guy relinquished his command. After the problem here is that if the relationship is exploitive, then it's um, then it's assault or rape. Yeah, basically on the face value, though, they yeah. shouldn't be happening. 
it, it 100 shouldn't be happening but the reason why it uh it shouldn't be happening is because it's inherently exploited for a superior uh in any hierarchy yeah of which the military is literally a the f- most extremely hierarchy chain of command yeah. bullshit system yeah yeah you cannot have that extreme imbalance of power in the relationship because no. you know oh shit if i break up this person or if i I'm say fucked. they're trash i might be screwed and then i have to go to my commanding officer above the chain which yeah. is him and then a bone yeah so, so that's that's what i was trying to get into there <laughs> right yeah um, um so right now they're doing parliamentary committee hearings to inquire about what the government knew about both cases they probably knew um, everything about them i'm sure and uh, in recent weeks more allegations of sexual misconduct against high-ranking officers have surfaced as well it's kind of like the floodgates have opened yeah it's kind of what's happening so a leading military expert a retired colonel and lawyer said uh he wonders how a court martial so this is the entering part this uh retired expert in military justice says he wonders how a court-martial could hear a case involving Vance or McDonald when no one in the military, including judges, could outrank them. So in order to court-martial someone, usually you need approval from the above, the uh, commanding officer of the accused. The accused's commanding officer must approve the charges the police lay against them. And the commanding officers or their representative typically approve any conditions laid against an accused as well. So do you see you need to have... The commanding officer yeah, so if, to approve if the, general, the accusation. Yeah. So, if the if general the, is doing the, the is chief doing of staff, the, the chief of staff, yeah. who is the highest point in the military, if he's having allegations against him, there is no commanding officer above him to prove the charges. No. So, with the current hierarchy of the military justice system, he can get away with everything. Techni- I don't <laughs> know does. how it's going to work. That makes no sense. I don't understand how he's that literally above the law in that case. Yes. So I don't know if if the so he can he can just touch all the ass he wants. I don't know and get if the head of the government, if the head of, of the government outranks him technically. Well. I don't know how this works. And so they in the don't know States that it would work that way, well, but yeah, I don't but know. I don't understand the, in mil- I would in, assume it would be the same in it'll be the, Canada. The minister of the defense, defense. Yeah. I guess would have to do some shit. I don't know. But they, they don't outrank him. They just kind of run it. So it's you know? interesting how this shit's going to turn out. And also, you know, if you look at that whole system, if you're best buddies with your commanding officer and you get accused of some sexual assault shit. Your commanding yeah. officer is your buddy and he doesn't approve the accusation charges. Yeah, so... And then you're just scot-free. So, I, well, that's why the, um, the conviction rate is so low here mm-hmm. is because the people, the people are, have a direct uh, relationship with the person that's making the decision on whether or not they get convicted. Well, no. The conviction rate is after charges have already been applied. Yes. The commanding officer has to approve the charges before they're even applied. Oh, so okay. that doesn't even factor into account factor this whole loophole. Okay, okay, I misunderstood then. So the judges in the whole military justice system also have a rank. So if you're prosecuting somebody who's above you, then it might be also that, that would factor into the number. Yeah. But I think it's just, I think that's not the case most of the time. Yeah. I think they're just shit. So there's, there's so many little loopholes and little things that ha- that how the military is run that just allows this uh abuse and this oppression to run rampant right because it's a hierarchy everything is a part of the hierarchy yeah in the military every person is including the military justice system and the judges that sit in it so there's no there's no independent investigators that come in and do mm-hmm. anything so right it's all within the system which is a problem it is. That and is also, it's in itself a problem. Another inquiry 
an external inquiry also found that skills of military police were lacking and that officers were confused about policies insensitive to sexual assault victims and lacked training on concepts such as consent. And the review found victims often did not report sexual assault or harassment because of a lack of trust in the justice system. And those who did describe their experiences as, quote, atrocious. Not surprising when you have a whole justice system that's built on hierarchy, then, yeah, I would assume that you wouldn't go to that justice system. And the idea about how could you be confused about consent, I don't understand how that. How that's well, uh, they're confusing. All, all the uh, generals thing. are old as fuck and just don't care. So they never... Uh, no, but these are the officers. They're supposed to be charging these people. They're... Oh, yeah. The military yeah. police. Okay. Yeah. So this, that's unacceptable. Yeah, that's, that is unacceptable. That's the, like just trash. And this dude also pointed out that instead of negotiating a sexual assault case down to assault during negotiations for cases and stuff, you know, negotiating down a charge, right? Like, let's say you have first degree murder and then you negotiate down a second degree murder or something mm-hmm. like that. Instead, what they do, instead of negotiating sexual assault case down to assault the military prosecutors have a habit of instead just dropping the criminal charges in favor of a code of conduct discipline violation uh that typically carried a weaker punishment and no criminal record because it's not a criminal charge it's a code of conduct punishment within the military so there's still no justice (laughs) yeah so the whole thing is just a, a dumpster fire Absolute dumpster yeah, fire. And we saw a similar hierarchical system. The RCMP also had. Well, the RCMP problems. is literally a fucking military unit. The police are. Paramilitary. Police are the same thing. They're run the same way a military. The RCMP. Not, not Winnipeg police. Well, but the police some, are the same thing. No, but the, there's. The, they're different RCMP organizations. more hierarchical than just general uh, city police forces, apparently. Yeah, but there's still the, the um, whole like sergeant and. Yeah, they do have that. They call that shit, too, yeah. right? So there is that still hierarchy. There's levels that you have to climb up. Right. Same thing. RCMP just has more levels than the military, of course. It's just fucking. It's just insane. So many insane. ladder steps. <laughs> so many uh, stairs. Probably also the reason why um, militaries like support fascist movements historically. Well, right? I mean, that's kind of a like. Is our military supporting fascist movements? No, but the thing is, the generals. As the highest point of the military, because they can make all the decisions, they can make the military do anything that they want to, really, because their job is literally just to listen to what their superiors do. So if the generals are, again, highly conservative or fascist adjacent, they will support them. And throughout history, that has been the case. There's very little involvement of military in socialist movements unless... The, the government is already right. socialist, yeah. right? In the case of like the USSR. Right. Of course, they had control of the military. And Myanmar. In this and case. Myanmar as well. But I was trying to look up what the, um, if there was a poll of mil- members of the military, the Canadian military, and how they would vote, but I can't find anything on that. Oh, yeah. So that's unfortunate, but you know what? I'm going to do... For their next podcast, I think we should start off because we talk about fascism a lot with what fascism is. Should probably the definition of fascism. Well, you know, which the term is so fascism, hard. Well, I like to use the term authoritarian capitalism, but because well, that's more accurate. That is more accurate to a certain what we're talking about yeah. nowadays. Yeah, when you take the aspects of fascism, but you add in more of a right wing economic focus. Yeah. Further right-wing economic focus, and but remove the extremely backwards uh, genocidal social views, and you have you know 
it's less focused on eliminating a, a race of people or and subjugating them mm-hmm. and it's more focused on just completely free market removal of regulations and and uh, complete selling off of the public sector to the private yeah, yeah, sector yeah. for yeah. exploitation by capital yeah that's more so what we're looking at nowadays. That's true. That's true. Um, but the term fascist. But people, is such people a, like to throw around the term fa- that's, fascist. That's right. Yeah, I know. And we should uh, because it's actually so loosey goosey. Now because fascism as a concept is inherently uh, contradictory to itself. That it's very hard to like actually pinpoint fascist principles, right? Because they they aren't principled in the same way that a socialist. Uh, is principled. That's basically all the stories we had. Yeah, well, uh, we got another one that's uh, Canada struck down... Uh, all right, so our, the last story today that we have is uh, Canada strikes down anti-discrimination laws. Well, the Supreme Court of Canada. Yes, the Supreme Court specifically did, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of shitty. <laughs> uh, it depends on how you look on Yeah, it. so there's, there's a little bit of discourse. I was actually going through the Reddit thread. <laughs> Uh, about this, um, it was actually really interesting to see what people were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's Reddit and Reddit is kind of cancer. Um, no, well, it depends what I go on Reddit and I'm not, I haven't got cancer. Good. Um, and, and exactly what I thought, the reason why they would strike down this law is why they struck it down. 15 page decision, the Ontario Superior Court Justice ruled that the section is an unjustifiable restriction on Canadians' right to free speech, which is part of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. But basically what the law itself was going to do was make it illegal for political campaigns to lie about their opponents publicly. Right. I think that's what it... Which was basically what it was. So if... I think it was specifically for uh, whether or not you could claim that your opponent was under investigation, like legal investigation. Mm -hmm. Well... They, what they're saying they, is they that just said they were able to lie beforehand well, and now they're well, con- able to continue to what lie they're about saying that is that we legally we have libel laws you know the criminal code has laws that are supposed to prohibit defamatory statements libel laws slander laws that mm. you can use instead that's what they're saying that should be used instead of just using this new law now the federal government has stated whether or not they're going to appeal this claim well i mean they already passed the law itself and then it went to the supreme court because they can pass it and then the supreme court makes a decision right it was declared unconstitutional here it is there it is free discourse the court challenge launched in 2019 centers on a section added to the election law in 2018 as a part of bill c76 section 91 subsection 1 of the legislation makes it against the law to make a false statement during an election about whether a candidate prospective candidate the leader of a political party or a public figure associated with a political party is under investigation or has committed an offense so it specifically targets false accusations of people under uh investigation yeah exactly that's what i was saying beforehand right and what the the ontario supreme court guy said was basically we already have libel and slander laws and this new law would just is that- unnecessarily restrict freedom of speech that's what he's saying that's what they but why why would that restrict freedom of speech I, I don't understand that. I don't think you should be allowed to uh, lie about that. Okay, you want me to read this whole fucking 15-page thing? Yeah, let's I do it. I got it pulled up right, right now. now. Let's do it. Number one, over- <laughs> I'm bringing up the fucking, the pages, the 50 pages that the Supreme Court Justice said. And apparently the law itself that they wanted to add to the Canadian Elections Act says verbatim says prohibits a person or entity from making or publishing certain false statements about candidates 
prospective candidates, the leader of a political party, or any public figures associated with the political party during federal elections with the intention of affecting the results of an election. So false statements lying. Now, the old text for that section, section 91.1, prohibited anyone from knowingly making or publishing false statements about the personal character or conduct of a candidate before or during an election. This Supreme Court guy, the reason why he struck it down is because the word knowingly was removed from that, that new section, the new subsection. And so this applies to any Canadian. So, so in short term, right now, if you knowingly lie about a politician in order to uh, smear them, just and, for the sake of smearing them yeah. in a dishonest manner, it is against the law. However, this new law that they tried to push through or removes the knowing aspect, n- removes the knowing aspect. So even if you're unknowingly spreading misinformation, they can still come after you legally. Technically, yes. And that, I th- in my opinion, is wrong. Right. And that's why this Supreme Court guy said that he therefore does not support this law and it's against the Charter uh, of Rights of Freedom. So he's right. Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Yeah. For yeah. freedom of speech. So he's right. Yeah. Okay. That that's interesting. I was watching people through uh, Reddit talk about this, and they're they're mentioning all those arguments. When you get into the nitty gritty, this dude's this is fifteen page numbered paragraphs. Yeah. Okay. It literally lays out why this happens. But the thing is, as I was saying to Derek, I was just reading through this. We're gonna have to cut a lot of that. That this is written with acronyms and jargon political um it's hard to read jargon it's hard to and read. lots of hyperlinks using s.91 in parentheses one and you know that is not easy to read and anybody who just jumps in doesn't necessarily know you kind of have to pick Go, apart what exactly they're talking lawyers. about it's for lawyers right well this is the law right yeah, yeah of course it's for lawyers and this dude is laying out his legitimate actual submission yeah. of his argument and this is just the opening section. He goes into the history of legislative prohibitions on this shit and all that stuff. But just by reading this section and going through it, Derek's opinion has changed from being, <laughs> oh, yeah, I supported that law to, well, what okay. the fuck? No. Yeah, because, okay, and it's not so his fault. Under, understanding what the actual law itself, mm-hmm. what the technical aspects of it is extremely important in uh, forming a decision on whether or not you agree or disagree with that law. So my original understanding of this was that the political leaders were going to be held accountable for uh, directly lying about their opponents during a campaign cycle. Mm-hmm. That was false. Yeah. That, it's was, any, that was any, not wrong. That, any that, was, that thought was wrong. So now it's any person that even unknowingly spreads misinformation about a candidate during or before any time mm-hmm. about a political leader should be held accountable. I disagree with that. So... <laughs> Because I don't think it, not every fucking person yeah, has just, the time to educate shit themselves. On Twitter. People just repost shit on Twitter without yeah. reading the article. That's how what happens. Things start trending and then people say shit. So some bad actor that you just somehow stumble uh, upon on Twitter, uh, you see a take and you're just like, oh, that's that, I agree with that. Wow, that's insane. Oh, yeah, I'm going to start telling it. people about it. It's a two sentence statement and you re- retweet it, but now you can be held legally accountable. Yeah, you could be. Even though you're not now, directly I don't involved. Have, I don't have the history of actual prosecution underneath the previous writing of the law. Yeah, that's that's. So that would be interesting itself. to see how frequently is it actually used. But yeah, under this new one, it removes the whole criminal intent aspect mm-hmm. from the law. And that was the, the main hang up from this Supreme Court justice on that issue. 
hinging on the word knowingly. Now, if, they're, if they added back in knowingly into the situation, perhaps you would have accepted it and this would be law, but they fucked up in writing it. So Yeah, so knowingly. Uh, yeah. Because no, knowingly spreading misinformation knowingly, and not knowing spread it, they're both as damaging. But that's the problem with libel <laughs> and slander. You can't really prove that, so the, the wording there doesn't really matter as much. Taking the knowingly part out of it does infringe on free speech morals. No, in the law, too. No, the e- In the law, but also um, just morally, I, I don't agree with that. Right. However, but. with the word knowingly in there, that also changes it. Because um, you can't really prove that someone yeah, but knowingly freedom does of speech. something. You have to protect the freedom of speech. But how do you prove that they knowingly made that statement? That's much harder. You need something like, you need a, like a recording of them saying, I am going to lie about this publicly. Yeah, maybe that's why they, they left that out of the um, text in, to begin with. That's probably why. But then the Supreme Court says, fuck you, dude. Which is the right decision. In, in this case, I support the uh, Supreme so, Court's decision. So that is decision. interesting. So that was, yeah, that, that is super that's interesting. That's a long ass. So I'm going to edit the fuck out of this one. Yeah, that, so, was, that was supposed to be like a five minute segment. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> anyways, that's all we had on the agenda for you guys today. Yeah. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. Remember to uh, download the podcast, follow us, you know, follow our do social it all. medias. Do it all. That would be do very everything. helpful. You know what to do. You know what to do. And tell your friends and family. Right. Radicalize them. Spread. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all So, so um, that was the Canadian Perspective signing off. Yeah. Take care.